This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to our Leadership Masterclass. In fact, it's our last one of 2017 that will, um, well, not the last, but the last live one. And it's great to be with you, all things leadership, every single Monday, 12 to 1, our Leadership Masterclasses. Um, we call ourselves Leadership Transformation Platform, and it's all about multiplying leaders to move society. Go to leadershipplatform.com for all things leadership. We're excited to, to have a, a sort of a last summary conversation. Um, over the year, you know, in particular, we've had Professor Theo Feltzman on on a regular basis, and, uh, and then he would share a leadership master lesson with us. Today, we want to summarize all that. Okay, that's the... That's the basic purpose of, of today's show. But before we do that, Theo, welcome as always. The purpose of, of these master lessons and expected outcome or impact, what, what do we hope it to be? I mean, obviously we have a, a weekly master class always with the idea to help leaders remain or become leadership fit. Uh, from your side, you've contributed hugely over the last year with some wonderful content and intellectual property, which we appreciate. And... Uh, yeah, what, what, what do you hope we achieve from doing these? Uh, good afternoon, uh, Adrian, and thanks for having me, and good afternoon to the listeners. I think what uh, I see my role is uh, contributing is, is kind of give pictures around what are some of the, the pressing issues with respect to leadership, uh, where the field is moving from uh, a leading uh, practices perspective. Uh, and uh, allowing people then to engage with the material and and process and digest it and reflect on it in their own manner and way in which they want to apply it within their own situation. So it's uh, putting up a stake there in terms of thought leadership that people can respond to. Louis, valuable. On. Mm. Louis, very valuable uh, for us to do this. You know, coming from from Theo's angle, he's he's an academic but then also very practical, and he's out there working with organizations, so he doesn't stand in the classroom all day, or used to. Um, in fact, I don't know if he ever just stood in the classroom, always been out there consulting, working with businesses, and leading himself, which is uh, what makes it so valuable to have him on a regular basis. This will be our eighth master lesson this year, so we tried one every month. It didn't always work that way, but very valuable, yes? I think, uh, Theo, Adrian, that, that your contribution has been... Really incisive, Theo. You know, when we have this kind of relationship, one takes it for granted. It's a bit like uh, playing the top uh, rugby team with a uh, top performer. Outsiders see the guy differently. One takes that person for granted because he's a teammate. The same thing with you. I think, uh, Theo, we're going to make use of these contributions, hopefully, uh, even far more incisively in future uh, as, our pl as our plans materialize. I think they are incisive and very valuable contributions to us understanding the world of authentic leadership. I certainly have benefited a lot from it. Yeah, we want Thank to... Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, what we're going to do... <coughs> sorry, what we're going to do today is, is summarize it. I think whenever a leader gives a message uh, or a, tells a story, uh, which is one of the themes we'll, we'll uh, summarize today, then there's always a summary at the end. So let's take our story of the year. Uh, that was a very exciting one, very interesting topics covered. And let's, uh, let's make it the summary of our year's stories. Um, just to go through it, I mean, our first lesson we had was identifying and detoxifying toxic organizations. Toxic leadership is a big issue, so we'll cover that for a few minutes. Our second master lesson was leadership brand, having a, your own leadership brand as a leader. 
Our third one was change navigation as core leadership competence in hyper-turbulent world, in the hyper-turbulent world that we find ourselves in. So change navigation, very, very crucial in leadership. In fact, the only constant is change. We hear that all the time. But we've had some really good conversations around that this year. And our fourth master lesson was leadership career navigation, how I navigate my career as a leader in this very complex world. Very, very challenging. Not an easy thing to do. Lesson five, recognizing failing leadership. And lots of pointers on that one. A powerful uh, conversation. We have a lot of failing leadership at the moment. So how do you recognize that in yourself, in others? And, um, and that was also super important. Lesson six, we'll summarize and touch on today's leadership as a storyteller or storytelling in leadership. So that was also an eye-opener. And then finally, we had a conversation recently with um, Marius as well, the CEO of South African Board for People Practices, SABPP. And they had a couple of conferences and a a massive process to establish a leadership standard and pledge for South Africa. So we'll, we'll again quickly look at that one. And then summarize at the end. So Theo, yeah, I think let's let's kick off with this very important one. We we don't want toxic leaders in our society. What did we discuss on twenty seven in February? We had a lesson on. Can you believe it? I eh? I mean February was just. It, it feels to me like we should be in the middle of the year, but we're at the end. Identifying and detoxifying toxic organisations. Just take us through that. Yeah. Uh, I think why we we discussed this topic was that the worrying trend that we're seeing increasingly toxic leadership and and, and toxic organizations. I just had a discussion with somebody uh, this morning that is also uh, consulting and has has contacts with a number of organizations and he shared with me uh, the concern right from the, the, the coalface that we are just seeing this increase and hence the topic and what we also tried to, to discuss in, in that master lesson was why, what can we attribute this increase to? And it's, a, it's the erosion of commonly accepted ethical values, the fanatical worshipping of individualism, the increase in self-love, in, in, in narcissism, in, in leadership, and the pressure that's been put on leadership to perform all the time under all conditions, and hence they cut corners. So I think that was the one topic. Mm. We uh, then said, you know, what kind of top, uh, t- uh, toxic leaders can one find? There are different types of them, uh, the type of toxic organizations, how to identify toxic leadership, and what, you can, what can you do about it uh, to reduce it? Uh, you can't redu- uh, eliminate it completely, but just the likelihood of it surfacing or just minimizing it in your organization. So those were the broad themes we covered in this lesson. That's right. I remember that conversation. Louis, you remember that? I mean, we, we do have uh, quite a lot of toxic leaders, leadership uh, filtering from the macro environment into the more micro environment into organizations, and we think we can block that out, but it's not that simple. Uh, when you run a big corporate organization, uh, I think we saw a bit of that this year, to be honest. I, I thought the corporate environment remained somewhat clean and untarnished from this unethical, toxic leadership that we see in the political domain. But uh, then suddenly popped out the the corporate examples, one after the other, didn't they, Theo, uh, um, regarding yes. toxic and unethical leadership. So we, we, we saw that filtering through from the, the, the broader environment, and, and that's my big concern. Louis? I don't just want to mention, Theo, um, 
what, what's happened in the meantime, though, that's why this, sec, uh, this session was so vital and remains um, re- relevant, is the fact that we've seen some, such a flood of, for instance, there's Gupta uh, emails, etc., that what's happened in the meantime, um, we kind of have drifted into a situation of where we, we sh- shrug our shoulders about them. And so, therefore, my concern is that we should uh, not focus on the accusations just or the labeling, but really on the symptoms that you helped identify, you know, Theo? In other words, that we should say, people, um, let's stop labeling so easily. This person is a, is a bad leader, etc., or this person is corrupt. Um, as we do that, I think many of us are kind of getting used to many toxic habits because we are in the, in the very comfortable position of labeling other people as well. And then we may miss the toxic uh, attributes in our own organization and in our own personality. Don't you think so, Theo? Well, I think you're touching a very valid point here, Louis. For me, the, the worrying concern, and maybe for you as well, that the abnormal, i.e. the toxic, is becoming the normal. That is how you behave. Mm. And that um, the, 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 the really authentic ethical leaders are really far in between. Uh, and, and you know, it's, uh, since leadership is always acts as a role model, you can now imagine if this is toxic leadership is becoming the predominant way of being a leader, that is now becoming an example and people say it's okay to be like that. So we're actually compromising in a sense our future leadership also by what is being currently demonstrate, uh, demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, again, if I can use the expression at the cold face. Yeah, we, we've got to lift the standard, man. Uh, you, you become used to your lower standards, and before you know it, you, you, you just can't imagine yourself living the high standards anymore. As we move off this topic, uh, what I remember is toxic leadership refers to, just so that people can remember what it is, uh, ongoing deliberate intentional actions by the leader or leadership to undermine the sense of dignity, self-worth, and efficacy of an individual or individual's position. So that's just important to remember for everyone out there. Right. So that was the one master lesson we had. And, of course, people can go look on, on the, the, the website for, uh, you know, it was in February that we had this lesson, leadership master lesson on toxic leadership. All right, the next one, let's go on to this. The next lesson we had was leadership brand. Very important one. We did that in March. Theo? Yeah, I think why brand is becoming important is because of the public exposure of leadership. They're in the limelight all the time. I mean, also the pressure in terms of governance and, and visibility and transparency has, uh, and then add into that the social media has made leadership very, uh, very uh, visible in, uh, uh, in, out there where it happens. And I think what that implies is whether a leader... Uh, uh, likes it or not, he or she's got a brand. And uh, what this lesson for me, the thrust of the lesson was, know what your brand, uh, well, decide what your brand is, and and then construct your brand and manage your brand and know uh, the impact of your brand. And so so we we, uh, talked in that lesson or shared and discussed, uh, had a conversation around what is brand, um, the, the fact that brand actually equates to the identity of the leader, and that in turn brand, and it's like two sides of the same coin, uh, on the one side is brand, the other one is the leadership reputation. 
Um, and then, like you would uh, for a brand, understand what elements make up the brand so that you can have this powerful differentiating uh, brand. Um, and, and being able to also, what we covered is, how do you assess the reputability of your brand? Mm. And what are the criteria uh, for that? So those are essentially the, the, the themes we covered and discussed. Yeah, and, and in crafting one's leadership brand, leadership has to formulate her own unique differentiating answer to the following very important questions, which I like. And, and I, I think leaders must remember this one. Um, Louis, comment on it perhaps. Who am I as a person? My identity. So when I am rooted in my identity and who I am as a person, then uh, the winds of change and pressure can blow and it's not going to change me, which is in essence not change my brand and how I position myself. Who do I aspire to or what do I aspire to? My dream and legacy, that's, that's that element. So it's who I am, where I'm rooted and then where am I going really? Uh, what do I aspire to? What do I stand for? My core values. And uh, that speaks very much to the first point for me also, who am I as a person? Where do I intend, intend spending my energy? So where is my focus going to be? And then finally, how do I get things done, my style? Yeah, some, some important questions that, that leaders can ask themselves, Louis. Uh, Theo, we are finding, based on our discussions also, that, that uh, the, the, uh, the ability to, to keep on wearing masks is under tremendous pressure and that's why you mentioned well you stressed that the importance of understanding your own brand and reputation um, the fact is that perhaps one can get away with it in the past you know the old days there with certain masks mm. you say one thing you do something else but the truth is the whole spirit of our sessions with you and our own experience is that the days of the wearing a mask really is getting uh, pressurized and one must understand that who you are and who you believe you are and uh, the trust you have in your own integrity is becoming more and more crucial to good leadership. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, Louis, to latch on what you said, is if we think of this past year, and I mean that's a saving grace in South Africa currently for me, is through the social media uh, how people are mobilizing in response or in reaction to or in support of leadership because of their brand they have in terms of their reputation, are they ethical or unethical, uh, can I identify with. I mean, one of the uh, big accusations against like our political leadership is, is the one point about what is the dream for the country? There's no dream for the country. It's a kind of muddling through for my own sake and for my own interest and what I can benefit from it. So I think the one that is so beautiful for me, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, of our country, the, the civil mobilization against the leadership we currently got in place. Secondly, of course, the legal, our legal system that's in support of us and the mass media. And those are coming together in a powerful uh, synergy that I think is, is, is going to be the saving grace of our country. All right, moving off that lesson two, leadership brand. The first one was uh, identifying and detoxifying toxic organizations, all about toxic leadership. Then we, we had a master lesson on leadership brand in March and leaving you with this statement, what do I want to be known as and stand for as a leader in my thinking, feeling, deciding, responding, and doing, and on which promise do I, or on which I promise to deliver. So that's an important thought that we can take away from that conversation. And yes, then the old change thing, you know, change navigation as core leadership competence was our, our master lesson three. 
we live in a hyper turbulent world i mean i can't even uh, i think we're coming with all kinds of statements theo to try and describe this crazy world we're in but i don't know if we can actually capture it uh, most people really don't know what the heck is going on and we try and make the best of it but the ability to manage change to manage people or lead people through that change is, is, is a huge competency and I, I, I mean, that's the essence for me of leadership in a sense, is you are taking people on a journey into a future, into the future that's, that's kind of defined by a, a shared inspiring dream. So you're on a journey. And, and the, the real challenge for leadership is how do they mobilize uh, people to embark with them on this journey? And, and I mean, the, the approach in the past uh, was in a stable world, is, is that we manage it like a project, you know? Uh, yeah, we make our plans and, mm. and we're going to travel from Johannesburg to Cape Town and by uh, th- uh, three hours from now we'll be there, etc., etc. Uh, and, and uh, you know, three weeks from now on a Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock we'll be communicating this and doing that. That is, those days are gone in this hyper-turbulent world. Mm. We, we have to now, and that's the shift from management to navigation, be like a captain on a ship that is knowing that he or she wants to go north, but there is a storm, there are cross currents, and you have to deviate a little bit more east, a little bit more west, but you know which uh, direction you're going. So I think what we, the core th- uh, uh, message for me for, of this lesson was you have to navigate change, and then it has certain knock-on consequences. Must, what must be your, your attitude to change? What is the mind shift? You must understand how people respond to change, and you must at any point in time know what the change energy level of your organization is because uh, change is energy sapping. And I, I also think that one of the, the, the core things that leaders have to get right is how do we maintain the energy for movement, to use your terms, Adrian, to get and to realize that desired future and leave that legacy behind. Yeah, this one, understanding how people respond to change. I mean, if you, if you stopped uh, a thousand people or a hundred people in any corporate out there today or in any organization and asked them to talk about the world of change, they'll tell, they'll tell you it's a constant and change is part of our lives and it's a consistent thing. And they'll say all those things, but wait until the change come. Um, you know, but we seem to still want a world without change. Uh, and, and that dichotomy in our minds is challenging because on the one hand, a lot of us want certainty. And on the other hand, we recognize the value and the power of constant change. And as a leader, I've got to manage those two polarities almost. It, it, it ain't easy. My people under me, some of them thrive in change. Some of them hate it. Uh, and then you have those in the middle. Not an easy task for a leader when he himself or she is also struggling with the same change challenge. I, I think at most what we can hope for is what I would like to call dynamic stability. In other words, the stability that in a sense moves all the time. But And, and that's where certain things like your vision... Uh, your dream, your legacy, and uh, what you referred on earlier, my identity as a leader, which is like the anchor in the sea of change. Do I know who I am in terms of those five questions that make up the brand, Mm. Um, but also then in terms of my own identity? 
uh, that becomes my anchor, and then only can I lead my people. But if I'm also adrift on the sea of change that's turbulent, then I can't lead. I can't lead. I have to find that certainty, security in my first, in myself first, before I can then venture out to lead people into the future. Otherwise, as Louis said, you go behind this facade. You show you very confident. Meanwhile, I sometimes I think there's a direct inverse correlation between the confidence that leaders show and this internal security that they have. Sometimes they are very. It becomes false uh, confidence which is a direct relationship to how insecure they feel internally. Louis, any comments so far? Yes, um, I, I was struck in that uh, discussion, Theo, about the, the expression of uh, navigation, which you've just explained now in a, in a um, incisive manner. Um, I find, though, that on the one hand, we must understand, we have to let go of the old understanding of stability, but it's vital we develop a new kind of mindset, what you define as dynamic stability. And this mindset gives a lot of security to a person. Others rely on your, your ability to manage change, you expect change, you anticipate that. It even becomes an exciting journey from that point of view. If we don't make the change in mindset, then letting go is not the best thing in the world because you let go of your security. So actually you find another kind of security. And we find in the, the dynamic leaders we come across, they have a sense of this, uh, what you call dynamic stability about them. It's pretty much a stable thing in its own right. It just doesn't use the norms of the old, the old ideas, um, like project management, you know, and you determine, pre-determine exactly what your outcome is going to be. I think it's exciting. Somebody said, you know, you're in your comfort zone. That's what you know. You're now asked to let go of that. You have to now embrace this new dream, uh, which is not a reality yet, hey? It's because it lies in the future. And as somebody said, in between these two states, you, stay, uh, you, you are and there's nothing to hold on. This in-between state, between, moving away from what you know to the unknown in the future. And leaders have to support their people in that uh, by giving them hope, by giving them faith, by uh, giving them a sense of efficacy, by equipping them to tackle this future. Is it fair to say that change is constant, but um, amidst that change, in the middle of it, the one certainty has to be me, who I am, that, that, that those roots... Uh, knowing who I am as a person, what I aspire to, my values, knowing myself. And if I'm anchored in that, or if I'm rooted deeply in, in that, then I remain, remain the, 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 the consistency and the certainty uh, amidst the change. And, and it's almost if you're uh, on a ship with, with a captain and, and the sea is never the same, you're, you're, it's stormy, it's quiet, it's this, it's that, and, and it's dangerous, and then other times it's beautiful, all those contrasts, but the captain continues to, to lead consistently. He's fair towards his people. They know what they can expect from him. They know he's a good man, whatever it is. So, so that the leader must somehow be anchored in, in, in his or herself, their own identity. Well put. Well put. So I, let's go to lesson four. Lesson four this year we had our master lesson. Leadership career navigation. So amidst this change all the time and going through the change transitional cycle and 
and dealing with toxic leaders and all the other things we've discussed, I have to navigate my career. So let's have a chat about that. That was our June master lesson, Theo. I think the essence for me, uh, uh, Adrian and Louis, about this lesson was that, and it latches up very much uh, uh, to uh, onto the previous theme, is I have to, in the past, I could expect my organization, because I was going to be there 20, 30, 40 years, to actually manage my career. I could virtually predict every two years I'll get a promotion, I'll move up to this, etc. Uh, in this new uh, VUCA or VICAS world, whatever you want to call it, and the way we've just also dealt with it, is I have to take charge of my own career. I have to navigate my own career. Because boundaries have disappeared around organizations. Organizations are reinventing, restructuring themselves. They're getting merged. Uh, they acquired, get, they get acquired. Their lifespans are becoming shorter. They change their business models, their operating models all the time. Mm. So there's no certainty in the organization itself. It means that I have to take charge of my, and that's the point we wanted to make in this lesson. I have to take charge of my own uh, career understand that I have to have in my mind uh, what we call the strategic career navigation process. Uh, I have to understand the abilities I have to have to manage my career, uh, navigate my uh, career rather, and also what are the critical success factors if I want to navigate my own career. That's the essence of what we covered. Yeah, you, uh, you know, it's this traditional career management versus emerging career navigation. And... Um, Maybe let's look at those points very quickly. Under traditional career management, linear upward progression from job to job in terms of upward career ladders within a single organization with correspondingly increasing status, responsibility, and pay. You know, the old traditional format, you can actually plot your career and see where it's going. But when the world around you changes so fast and suddenly your business totally transforms in terms of its business model, and it becomes digital or whatever it may be, then what do you suddenly do now? The, the positions are not the same and, and you can't uh, manage it the same. So just very quickly, the emerging career navigation, Theo, what's the opposite to the one I just uh, explained? So the one is vertically upwards. Um, the other one is any direction, any organization, any job. So you can move up, down, lateral. Uh, you can move from one organization to the other, from one industry to the other. But what the important implication there is, you have to understand then how to navigate your career. You're taking charge of it. It's not the HR department. It is not your your superior that's now going to say, here's the next three things you have to attain. You have to decide because, I mean, you're, uh, uh, given the fourth industrial revolution, the next moment your career is just gone. I mean, the, your, your industry could be gone, your your, uh, your profession could be gone, as we're seeing now with a lot of these uh, decision-making algorithms that's actually taking out over professional decision-making in the medical field, in the legal field, in my own field, uh, the psychological field. These things are just being built into uh, decision-making algorithms, and you kind of become unnecessary, uh, redundant. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's any direction. It's what you want to, and therefore... I think, uh, Louis and, and Adrian, what's important is to have a career navigation process that you personalize for yourself how you're going to, to navigate your career. 
Okay, Louis, very different from when you grew up. Not that you ever had a normal sort of career pro process in your life. I smile at that, Arjun, because to me that has always been the case. But I think it's becoming very relevant nowadays still. I think it's a very important discussion. All right, lesson five, recognizing failing leadership. Uh, I think we can move on from that one. The world has changed. We don't have failing leaders anymore. So let's go to the next lesson, shall we, Theo? <laughs> are you do, do you have are you in a state of denial, yeah, Adrian? Now this is the the, the bush oh, the sorry, bush sorry, part coming in. For a moment, <laughs> the bush, uh, the place where I live came in. I'm I'm sorry. I'm back here in the real world. Oh my goodness! Uh, in fact, successful leadership is fewer and further. Uh, what's the word? Few and far between. Um, it's just frustrating, actually to see how we've dropped our expectation of leadership and leaders. I think people are becoming disenfranchised, they're becoming disillusioned, and we all know there's a huge trust deficit, chasm between leaders and followers in general. And I don't know where it's leading to. I, I, I must be honest, I, I almost see a world without politicians in some cases, where society takes charge of their own destiny and say, listen, politicians, sorry, you obviously don't get the fact that you serve us, that we pay your salaries. Let's move on to a model that exclude politicians. So um, I don't know, but failing leadership, a big thing, it's happening. What did we discuss in that lesson, Theo? I think the one thing, the one, maybe the most important lesson uh, we wanted to leave behind with that lesson is it's better to recognize failing leadership than wait for failed leadership. Because if leadership is about the future and securing a desirable a sustainable future for all. It is my future we're talking about, everybody's future. So we better take a keen interest uh, in, in, in what our leaders are do. Are they successful or, or are the signs there of failure? And that's what we, uh, that's what I also think what South Africa now has awoken to, as um, we alluded to it earlier, that we better take charge of our own destiny. Because if, if we leave we kind of delegated one-sidedly to leaders and they're making a mess of it because they're failing. We are uh, um, uh, really um, increasing the likelihood of that we will have no future. So I, that's why I'm saying it's actually very brilliant for me currently what's happening in South Africa, how uh, uh, society is mobilizing, etc., and things are the mass media and they're all coming together and say enough is enough. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. It's bringing out the best in us because the worst in us is coming out. And um, and that's kind of the, the law of opposites. You know, you, you always have that opposite coming to the fore. I mean, that was such a powerful conversation. We, we, you, you gave us almost 20 major signs in the, in, the, in the category of signs of a failing leader regarding him or herself as a leader, signs of failing leadership regarding followers, signs of failing leadership regarding the entities they lead and then failing leadership regarding the context. I thought that was very, very important, Theo. Maybe we must take just a few minutes. Uh, I think we're all extra tired at the end of the year. We're all extra tired of leaders and their messes that they create uh, at the end of the year. In South Africa, we've got the conference, the ANC conference happening. We've got downgrades. I think everyone but one agency has downgraded us. Um, and they're waiting for the election results. But what happens after the election results? We've got uh, President Zuma still as the president of the country and a different ANC president, so you've got two power bases. Who knows what that's going to lead to? 
um, a lot of people sitting on the fence wondering what's going to happen. So, so I think we're tired, we're being wearied out by, by, by failing leadership. Shouldn't, shouldn't we spend a few more minutes on this one? Uh, maybe if I can lift out one or two that really strikes me. In terms of the relationship for, of the leader with himself, the one really uh, failing sign for me is with, uh, a leader that does not show a servant stewardship type orientation. In other words, I'm here to serve the, the common good, the greater good. It's, it's a us agenda, not a me agenda. Mm. Uh, that's the one. And the other one I would lo like to lift out, <laughs> you, and you have a couple of very good uh, live case studies, uh, is repulsive egocentricity. It's about me, the self-love, the narcissism, uh, me on the pedestal. And the rest of you have to bow and please me and be at my service and at my beck and call. That's the one in the space of, of uh, relationship to myself. So if I sense this in myself or others sense it in me, then it needs to be addressed somehow. These kind of pointers. Uh, yeah, and also... But was it too late then? When, when you see these things, is it too late? Well, I think it's better if it's failing and starting to surface that you deal with it because, uh, you know, the small foxes, so to speak, before they become elephants, uh, grow into elephants. So, But you see very often what happens, and that's the paradox here, is uh, because of the immaturity of the leadership, he or she creates a feedback vacuum around themselves. Mm. So they don't get feedback, and they use their power to protect themselves. And very often leaders complain about, you know, this lonely up there. But they make that loneliness by not inviting feedback. So they become lonely in themselves yeah. uh, for their own reasons because it serves them. I think the term used by Theo at the beginning, it's far better for us to see failing leadership um, rather than wait for failed leaders. And I think uh, the whole theme of all the discussions during the course of the year is really the imperative for us to look at um, the kind of uh, mindset that's driving us, uh, leadership in general, yes, but specifically us as leaders and individuals. Are we just waiting? Are we shrugging our shoulders? Are we taking these things for granted? Or are we really taking serious actions to become a um, leader uh, activist? I think it's a, this, it's a central theme, really, running through all the discussions. Okay. Continue, Athia. I think in terms of, of followers, uh, one or two maybe for me outstanding f uh, indicators of failure is unethical conduct, where people, uh, uh, leadership is just plainly ignoring, uh, doing the right thing, uh, ensuring that the right things are uh, done, so they condone also amongst their follow followers unethical uh, conduct because it serves them. Um, then that they, they're unable to build a unifying, shared, inspiring vision. Sometimes they build a vision, but it's for a, just for a small group. I, I would call it the, leader, the leadership's clan. Those people close to them that serves his need, and he would build uh, that, uh, you know, that vision. So it's not a generally shared vision. I mean, look at our country. We ain't got a vision that's shared by everybody, regardless of race, creed, and gender. It is just each one in his little silo hoping that, uh, you know, uh, for a better future. I think the other thing is, is weak followers, leaders that surround them with weak followers, and then also the counter side to that 
is where there's a, a constant turnover in the leadership's team or group where strong leaders oppose him or her and he just goes after them and eliminates them because he can only uh, allow weak uh, followers around him so that he, can, he or she can get his, his or her way. I mean, that's the one that jumped out at me. It's constant turnover in leadership team or group because if, I'm an, if I show an ethical conduct while well, it's almost too late, I must be out of there. But mm. when there's constant turnover, one can set a leader down and say, listen, and I've seen this over and over, I must tell you, I've written about it. Uh, I saw the constant turnover of even the CEO of South Africa, MTN, for example. I've seen it in other organizations. I won't mention too many, where you see turnover of senior leadership all the time. And you go, hold on, how long can that leader escape accountability? Um, uh, you know, eventually the board needs to face the facts and let that leader go, the CEO or the MD of the business. So that's a very good sign for me there. Uh, I, I cannot firstly pick the right people potentially and secondly inspire them to stay around, stick around and follow the shared vision. Touch very quickly on the other two, Theo, and then we move on to the last two lessons before we wrap it up. I think um, a sign of failing leadership in terms of the entities or the institutions that leaders uh, lead the one is that the leadership's ego and the organization just become one. If you critique the one, you critique the leader. If you critique the leader, you critique the organization. They can't differentiate between their ego and the organization. Uh, they use power for their own uh, um, abuse. And then the other one that struck me with this investigation, with this psychiatric patient's uh, investigation or arbitration, as they call it, accountability avoidance. You hear the leadership in the Department of, of Health of Gauteng denying all accountability it's as if it was the project plan, it was the, the team, that, uh, but it's not me that was leading, that was in charge to oversee what would be happening to these, where these patients have been entrusted to me. Yeah, and we see it in corp corporate now as well, unfortunately, where... It's just huge denial of the corruption associations and so on. Okay, last yeah. one. Uh, last one, relative to the context, here the important point is leaders must be matched, fit to the context with its associated complexity. So what you see is leaders can't cope with the context. It's too, uh, too complex for them, and therefore they dumb it down in order for them to deal with it in the process, what what these leaders also do is they kind of create make-believe realities. I mean, you have Mugabe talking about the economy of Zimbabwe a while ago. I think it was at the World Economic Forum and place. It's one of the strongest economies in Africa. <laughs> really? Did he say Which that? It's a blatant <laughs> lie. Everybody knows it's a lie. Uh, Post-truths, you know, and then just fragmented, shallow thinking. Um, either try and impress you with... Uh, very f uh, complex uh, thinking, which is not really complex, it's just the throwing together of a lot of variables in the same sense, or just oversimplifying things. So it's just a distortion of the context that you have to engage with, so we don't know what we actually have to grapple with. I know this is an unfair question, but do we, is our perception that there's more failed leadership in politics or more failed leadership in corporate? <laughs> Was the uh, one just more visible than the other? You, corporate leaders uh, hide. I mean, they hide. They're not on social media so much. Um, they're not necessarily in the media a lot. Only during presentations, you know, quarterly or yearly uh, presentations to the media of their, their results, year-end results. I, I, I don't know. I mean, my perception is politicians are failing more 
than your um, corporate leaders? Is it because corporate leaders are trained more, more exposure to training as opposed to political leaders? Or am I totally off the beaten path here? They, yeah. I, I, I think it could be a case of, of competency, but I think the, the, the power poly uh, dynamics are different, Adrian and Louis. For me, in a corporate environment, you have failing leaders uh, or failed leaders, but corporates, generally speaking, have the ability to respond very quickly. They deal with it. While politics, the dynamics, the power dynamics are different because people, you know, rubbing the one hand and palming the other, uh, palming one another and keeping one another warm, they they in it for themselves and therefore they tolerate, uh, they tolerate um, failing leadership because you can open this door for me and this network, etc., etc. Okay. But meanwhile, you're failing. It's difficult to compare them in that sense because different environments. But uh, what I do believe, Theo, that a, a very important indication that uh, our corporates are, are kind of um, used to, to toxic leadership is the fact that we don't grow. Um, corporates aren't excited. There's no passion. Leaders uh, are not finding new ways of doing things. Quite frankly, if, uh, if we manage to have a healthy authentic leadership culture going in organization. I've seen, I've been working with one team, for instance, of 14 people, and they have got a remarkable healthy culture. There's no staff turnover. Uh, they find answers to solutions. They don't always look at, at new structure to solve the problem. Uh, this can be done. So in that sense, uh, perhaps our corporate is reflecting our, our political uh, negative environment in many ways. Theo, our master lesson on leadership and storytelling in October. What stood out there? I think that uh, I think the message we wanted to put across there, uh, Adrian and Louis, was that uh, we as human beings are inherently storytellers uh, uh, because we want to make sense of things, we want to give meaning to it. Um, this, the, the, this purpose that we want to ascribe to th certain things. And hence leaders, in particular in this very changing uh, world, hyper-turbulent world, play that role. There's a context that's changing all the time, the way we've described it um, a couple of times, is that how do leaders act as a bridge between their followers and the context and the organization in which people are embedded and the context in which people have to make a contribution. So they have to weave the story meaningfully and in a dialogue together that gives sense and meaning for people and they can respond to and they can identify with. Uh, and then we went in terms of the, the discussion itself, you know, what's the, the good makeup, what's the core purpose, why do you tell stories, the type of stories that can be told, how will you know when you, you're telling a good story and what would be the value add of, a, of, of, uh, of well-told stories as well as the architecture of a well-structured story. So the purpose of that masterclass was really to introduce the topic of storytelling who lead us as storytellers and how will I be able to tell a good story and put it together. And, and the story is not necessarily where you say, okay, I would like to tell you a story. One day, long ago, when I started this business, and maybe you can't even start that way. I know of a leader recently who started a speech, very dynamic leader, who said, guys, I was wondering what I would share with you today. And the group in front of him um, was starting a, a leadership program journey. And they asked him to speak. And he said, I, I want to start by telling you a story. 
mm. shared a story about himself, how, how what it meant to him when, when he could go and study and, and do his MBA and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I think he literally did that the week that we did the storytelling um, master lesson. So, so, so it was very evident for me. But I, I think maybe that is one way we can say to leaders, very often if you want to inspire your staff or connect with them, start with a story. If you have an employee that's not doing well, sit him down and say, let me just share with you a story. I remember long ago when, when I lost total focus and, and I fell out of love with my, my, my job and, and, and the business I was involved with. And then the following thing happened to me. You know what I'm saying? Use the word. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you a story. I, I mean, the story. Let's take two examples. What something has happened? Our market share is 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 decreasing. Our sales are dropping. Uh, you can tell a story about how you understand the dynamics. It's not about sitting there with the cold figures. And it's sometimes not only a single cause. It's a couple of things. New competitor regulations have dropped away. Uh, the, the, there's an increase in, in uh, the exchange rate and things like that. You tell a story about that. Uh, you know, the other interesting story that I think leaders must seriously consider what they must tell about the future is what the fourth industrial revolution is, uh, is going to do to organizations in terms of artificial intelligence, automation, digitization. Uh, the story about what will the future look like uh, for our organization. I'm thinking of banks in particular here, where there are all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful predictions being made around these cyber currencies, uh, cyber, sorry, cyber currencies like Bitcoin that it will destroy banks mm. uh, because people will take charge of their own finances, money will move, move around in the cyberspace without any interference by banks as being intermediaries. Uh, so tell a story about how you see the future and the place of the organization in the future uh, and, and each one's contribution in that. I think le- le- leaders must just catch the vision. Uh, maybe this is my thought on this. We, we all do grow up with stories. I grew up, my dad would come in and sit us down and tell us silly stories, which we just loved and gave us funny names and uh, television came into being, you know, and, and movies, kids love watching movies. And even today, our younger kids love books. Uh, so, so storytelling, stories, as you say, we're story beings, aren't we? And when yeah. a leader goes, I want to tell you a story, then, then suddenly something inside us wake up, something changes if you give a talk. And you share a story. I mean, it just it does something to the, the child in us. And, and, and guess what? The child in us are hum- is humble. The child in yeah. us is teachable. The child in us, in us, the child in us um, wants to learn. And we need that in, in the world today. So if you bring in story, you connect with a child. The child is willing to listen and learn and make mistakes. And I think we need that today in this sophisticated world. Louis? I love that. I think uh, what we're saying also, uh, Theo, is that a storytelling or narrative approach makes things personal. And ultimately, mm. that's the only way you can really address the basic needs of people to belong and to possess things of value is to speak to the personal emotions. That's how uh, you share vision anyway. So uh, that uh, when, when your style, leadership style, becomes one of cold facts and so-called business imperatives, I think you're losing contact with the essence of people. So storytelling in that sense is just being personal as well, related to the actual s- stories uh, unfolding around us all the time. Like you mentioned about the idea of uh, 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 giving a narrative 
of what's going to happen in the future and the impact on us as, as a team. You can give a narrative on both the possible negatives but also on the possible uh, positives, how we can react and how we can respond to the changing environment. Yeah, okay. You know, the best mm. example, if I may come in here, uh, that I've ever seen, uh, well, one of the best examples was in the 90s, I was present in a session where Gray McKay told the story about the strategic intent of SA Breweries, where then was still a division of SA Breweries, where they were only in South Africa, they had 90% plus of the market share, and he told the story of of, of breweries becoming a world-class brewer, playing in all sorts of arenas. And to this day, and uh, how many years is that now? Ten plus, uh, nearly uh, uh, 30 years later, I, can, I can't remember the figures that he quoted. It was about production capacity and it was market share and those things. But I can tell you the story to this day. Oh, that's powerful. All right, Theo. Then we moved on and we had our final show. Our last one was um, Master Lesson Number 7. The South African Board for People Practices, SABPP, and its CEO, Marius Mayer, and his COO, um, Kolani Mawande, was on the show. Uh, I mean, at some time back, they came, they engaged the industry, HR industry, and um, came out with a HR standard practice and in there they realized there was a huge need for leadership and and then they went on this incredible journey of establishing and you were there with them a leadership standard for South Africa and a pledge as well so let's just end off with that one again and, and maybe a few minutes after that we'll just engage you personally but just summarize what came out of that uh, I think uh, they must be complimented on this bold initiative they've taken. I think they've seen the need. And uh, I think what uh, the standard is, is not a recipe. It is, is, is not to make leaders clone leaders, but it's just to say what are the leaders, uh, leading practices around leadership that we can encode in a standard that people can aspire to. So it's aspirational. And I think the beauty of what they've done through this consultative participative process, they kind of distilled it down to the essence. I mean, the, the central portion of this is, is, is a framework that talks to instilling a vision, delivering results which create value, living the values, influencing people, reflecting for improvement, a lot of things we've been discussing. Mm. And they distilled it to the essence. I mean, the whole literature around leadership is overwhelming. And at least they've got something that's, you know, I think they've really achieved that getting to the simplicity on the other side of the complexity that you can now work with and apply. And then, of course, what they did it in, in a sense of a call for action, that they then translated that, and I was uh, privileged to be involved in that, into a leadership pledge that is reflective of the framework and is, is expressed in 10 uh, commitments. Um, and I think for me, what they've, uh, they've put on the table there is a challenge to South African organizations, leadership, institutions to really take up this uh, as an intervention in the organization. And, and the prime anchor here for me, Louis and, and Adrian, is the pledge, is whether leadership in, in, at, in all spheres, at all levels, are willing to commit them. And then in accordance with that pledge is, is, is move ahead. 
and then we will really be in a different place. In South Africa, and I mean they've even now got inquiries from other parts of Africa and know, uh, know at least that Marius shared with me. Powerful, yeah. People can go to their website, sabpp.co.za, and they can uh, go have a look at the pledge. They can go to our website. We also have it on there. Uh, I think it's still on the front page because the show is fairly fresh. So um, I encourage leaders to do that. I mean, let's uh, align with that, s- that standard, uh, although we know leadership is a very individualized thing, but it's a, that is, I, I do think we can commend them for that. Theo, thank you so much. What a year. I mean, you used to be kind of full-time as a professor, at uh, UJ, now no longer full-time as I understand it, and you've been engaging out there, traveling, doing all sorts of things. But uh, I don't want to say you have more reflective time now because you maybe don't, but what have you learned this year regarding leadership as a leader, as as an opinion leader and influencer out there? I I think for me the first thing where it starts uh, is that one as a leader has to commit to be a leader. It's not about, a, a, uh, with a position, even if it's a senior position, and we call you in a senior management position or the senior leadership position, that's just a position. That's a, it's, it says nothing about moving, about the person moving in that position and being then automatically the leadership just happens. Mechanistically, it is a conscious commitment to be a leader, and then part of that commitment to ask yourself and looking in the mirror in order to create, turn that into window uh, that you can get perspective. What is your leadership all about? We spoke earlier about your leadership brand. What do you want to stand for? If I'm now committed as this leader, what do I want to stand for? And that you must be clear on that. I mean, you can be transactional, you can be transformational. You can be transcendental, the why, the purpose-driven leadership. But what is your mix of leadership you're going to offer once you're committed to that leader? So that's, for me, the starting point. Without that commitment, the position does not mean. It means that you can just bureaucratically go through the motions and fulfill your job duties, but it it's not infused with leadership. Mm. Uh, that's a starting point for me. Then I think the second one, having committed yourself, is position your role as a leader correctly in terms of its required complexity. Understand your role. Am I the CEO of the company? Am I a a, a functional executive? Um, Understand your role um, and see how you compare to that role and, and be very honest in terms of where you think you're strong and where you're weak and decide where you have to complement yourself. Because there's no perfect leader. We, we still sometimes live with this myth of the super leader that's, uh, that's got all the ability. I don't think that leader mm-hmm. exists. I think in entering into your position, the first step is kind of a humbleness uh, step. Be humble and, and, and see where you're strong at and then surround yourself with the right people. Yes, then, uh, um, build that future that desired dream, but it's with others as well. It's not only yours. If they don't share in this, then it's only go- it's going to be a very lonely uh, journey, and if you look around, there'll be no followers, and then <laughs> you, you're not a leader. So it's about that dream, and, mm. and then, because that gives direction to people, you have to then help people in this uncertain world. What are the focus? Where are we going to spend our energy? And, and, and what is going to be roughly the roadmap? 
Uh, we used the analogy earlier on of the captain, and I think it's not a captain on an oil tanker. I think it's a captain of a fleet of ship. So you're more like an admiral, um, mm. and 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 that provides you, that gives you discipline in the business because a million decisions are taken every day. But if people know the vision, they know the legacy, they know the direction you want to move in and how you want to get there, they'll make the right decision, even if it's the receptionist in the way in which he receives a client or the salesperson in dealing with a client, they'll all make the decisions in the right way. Mm -hmm. Values are very important, embed the, uh, embed the values because those are the rules for the road. We're traveling into the future, I have to make decisions between important, unimportant, right or wrong. Get the right persons in the right roles, empower and enable them. You know, there are two axes here for me. The one is your dream, the legacy, the rules, uh, and there you're very strict on. We are going to play soccer. We're going to play soccer in this league with this intention to win. The other axis is then you empower and enable the people to go and play the best possible soccer mm. and you give them that autonomy um, because then you're actually mobilizing them. Um, uh, leadership visibility is for me a non-negotiable. Leaders, we disappear behind emails, behind committee uh, or boardroom doors. We're not there where the action is. So many of our CEOs and, and MDs, and I'm not talking about what we called in one of our previous discussion, seagull vis visits. You fly in for an inspection uh, and, 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 and you fly out. I'm meaning spending real time where it matters to get a feel for the vibe and the dynamic in the organization and how the decisions that you've taken uh, are playing out. We, our leaders are not visible enough where it matters I call it where the moments of truth are created. Okay. I think you have to be this example, lead the way. I think you need real-time good intelligence uh, about what's happening in the business, close the feedback loops, uh, not only about the past but also future trends. Learn and reflect all the time because that way you're going to, to, to grow and reward and, and, and uh, recognize people. And all the time remain humble because you have to learn all the time. Nobody's got the, the answers. And jointly, you have to achieve and realize that, that, that dream. Professor Theo Felsman, thank you. Our, our last uh, master lesson of the year. A good summary there. It was great chatting with you. I know you break away and usually go to a quiet place and, and reflect and energize and rejuvenate. So um, if that's the same, enjoy it. Have, you know, just... Um, Love it, and we'll engage again next year. We appreciate all your input, and I'm sure a lot of leaders have benefited. Louis, final comment? Uh, Theo, just a quick question. Sorry, end of the time, I know. Will have you end? changed? Are uh, you changing? I think sometimes you don't realize how you're changing. Yes. And, you know, I've learned when you go through the toughest of periods, uh, you don't like it at all. But when you're through that period and you look back, then you realize how you changed. If it's successful... If it's going well, you know, all systems go, the lights are on, then you grow very, sometimes very little, except if you do it deliberately in a mindful way. Yeah. But most of the time that I've grown is where it's been, the, the, the going has been tough. Thanks. And sir. thank you from my side for being part of the team and uh, making a difference. Thank you for that. Thank you to you. And to our leaders out there, being our last uh, live show, what do I say to you? I mean, it... 
I can't say to you it's going to be an easy year, 2018. I think my instinct tells me it's going to be more challenging, no matter what country you're in. Um, that means be rooted in yourself, uh, know who you are, know where you're going, uh, appreciate change. Um, there's so much we can say, but I think it's all been said. We wish you well, rest, uh, uh, re-energize, uh, reconnect with who you are and what matters most with, with, with your deepest personal drivers. And um, spend time with the loved ones, those who are always there during good and bad times. Make sure those relationships are rekindled and, and strong. And, um, and yeah, just lead where you stand. Lead where you stand. We, we can't afford for leaders to become demotivated and, 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 and what's the right word? Uh, when you just in, inflated, deflated almost. You, know, you, you just don't have the energy. We need you to have energy uh, and go and find it somehow. However you find it, find it. Uh, we, of course, invite you to the bush and certainly go to our website. You'll see we invite you to the bush for a couple of days and we help you do this in the most effective possible way. But you will hear more about this. Have a wonderful 2018. Thank you for joining us again for this Leadership Masterclass and we'll talk to you again next year. Old man, thank you again. I agree. It's been a great year. I look for <coughs> I really look forward to the next year, Arden. Mm. I really am. I do too. Thank you, everyone. Uh, stay tuned for our Business Masterclass. Cheers. This is CliffCentral.com.